0: As the time delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown Patrick Mahomes with a
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of Radio, brought to you by the FFPC and betonline.ag. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined by my co host, Mr. Sean Siegel. Sean, the first show of the week, we broke down the best ball win rates explorer. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal tool up on the site. Really, uh, just so, so good. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to stop talking about it for the duration of the offseason uh, as we continue to do our drafts. But it is a stack show again here today on uh, run of his overtime as we look at wide receiver and also running back so we're going to talk about your recent piece if wide receiver is deep running back is bottomless um, obviously it's always good to get sean's thoughts on the running back position and where the depth is who is in there to target and those mid to later rounds we're going to look as well at the backfields and talk about a couple of recent pieces sam wallace is up on the site uh, looking at some of the backfields and how to decipher the usage this season sean lots of good stuff coming up on today's show uh, looking forward to this one
3: Yeah, this is going to be an exciting show. We're going to talk about this idea of if wide receiver is deep, running back is bottomless. I I want to address this idea that some of these things that we've been talking about, some of the trends are not necessarily going to allow you to win in 2020 because you can just keep attacking those wide receivers. We're going to talk about why that's not necessarily the case. We're going to talk about some of the specific running backs you, you can draft we're going to go in and we're going to look at the best ball tools and see why a hardcore wide receiver lineup has been so effective and then as you mentioned we're going to talk about some specific running back backfields but we're going to start it today with the ffpc stat attack and this one we're going to bring from the win the flex tool so you go in you pull up the results for the last three years you can choose any year that you want uh, 2015 through 2019 we're going to focus on the last three you turn on the value-based drafting replacement baselines and you can choose the style of league that you're in so for this we're going to choose a three running back three wide receiver league and the reason we do that is it allows us to sort of split the two ffpc flex positions between a running back and a wide receiver they're potentially some reasons why you might choose something different, but that gives us some good balance there. Now our stat attack is that although people tend to believe that running back you have to have at the beginning and wide receiver is deep, the tool shows that this is not the case. We have those top couple of running backs. We would expect them to outscore the wide receivers, but very quickly then wide receiver generates this huge, val- this huge advantage through the high leverage rounds but around pick 65, that swaps to running backs being the relative value by value over replacement. And they hold that advantage to pick. 150 so you have this window between picks 65 and 150 where you actually should be drafting running backs they're the group that has the depth in that range the value in that range and you can see that by using the win the flex tool there so that's our ffpc stat attack that window between pick 65 and 150 go get your running backs
2: Yeah, and I think it's going to be fun as we break down the the piece here. I know uh, looking at the kind of industry standard at the moment, there's a lot of talk around it of get those running backs early, get them often and continue to do it throughout your draft, it seems to be. So uh, it's going to be good to to break that down. I think with Rotoviz obviously, we're going to usually look to to do a strategy similar to what Sean's going to talk about here. But uh, I think this year there's a real prime opportunity because – I think there's an overreaction to uh, the strategy and in, in, mo- in most circles. So, uh, Sean mentioned there the FFPC. They are the home of the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty Baseball and, of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join the league today, head on over to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And, of course, as Sean has mentioned, as alluded to, and as if we do on each and every show, we'll be talking about the tools on the site. A number of those are particularly beneficial for, for you because they are specifically designed for ffpc domination sean let's jump into it and look uh, at, at the recent piece up on the website so we're looking and i kind of hinted at there the running back heavy constructions are pretty much all the rage they are the in vogue they are the trend they are what people are telling you you must do and then when we look at it and you know, you hadn't told me about this like five, six weeks ago. But there was always, I felt, this was coming, where you were going to give a little bit of information to rebalance that. And I think if you look at other websites, I'm not going to name any names, but we have a situation where this is the strategy is just running back, running back, running back. And if you see anything that isn't a very running back heavy selection of your your draft when you finish a draft, it's going to get critiqued because you don't have enough running backs or you don't have running backs high enough. So what, what overall uh, is your thoughts? Was there a process to this that you thought that the consensus may be overreacting or was it just, uh, you know, you started to look into it and then then came to the conclusion?
3: We've been discussing this for a long time, right? How wide receivers outscore <laughs> running backs through all of these high leverage rounds. And if you don't build your team through those wide receivers, then your win rates are not going to be as good. We continue to see this throughout the season's play out in exactly the same way. However, because the running back dead zone RBs did well last season, it's pulling up that ADP for a bunch of guys who shouldn't be in that range. Now, in order to prove to people that what they're seeing in the tools is actually the truth, I think you have to go through and not necessarily look at that evidence Because people are are willing to reject that but look at some of these specific guys who are available now last year the top couple guys that we recommended austin Eckler, miles sanders they ended up being the running back two and the running back four in terms of win rate last season which gives you a window into how much these guys outperform where they were going in drafts those two players just follow a long line of guys that we've had ever since we started doing the zero running backs candidates list Where every year these people with specific profiles jump up, crush ADP, give you that chance to win your league along with having that wide receiver foundation. So looking at some of these guys this year and just how late they're available, I sort of made a list of some players you can target early and a few of the names that show up here, Cohen running back 41, Karrion Johnson running back 38, Lindsey running back 44, Hines running back 53, Latavius Murray running back 47. All of those guys, huge values, almost all of them elite athletes. We talked on the show recently about the 10 most undervalued players in redraft. And the theme there were smaller running backs who were among the fastest and most explosive guys, both in terms of timed athleticism, uh, in terms of testing, timed athleticism actually on the field with some of the... uh, next-gen advanced stats all of that kind of thing you want those running backs who are catching passes who are generating the big plays and certainly when we talk about the cost of some of these running backs when you're talking about running backs with those names being drafted in the 40s and 50s i think it's difficult to argue that running backs aren't deep before we jump into the second part of this column are there any guys there i know you've been mentioning heinz a lot on the show guys that you were targeting or maybe guys that you don't really like that you can understand why they're being drafted so late
2: I think somebody like uh, Latavius Murray I think he's somebody you know in that offense has uh, consistently kind of when he's had that opportunity um, made made an impact and I think he's somebody he's probably fallen into that category um, where we talked about a couple of weeks ago Jordan Howard um, of the the Dolphins so he's kind of you know gone around the league consistently got touchdowns um, and and just is you know very valuable in that role going in a later spot and I think there's equivalent running backs to what they both can do that are going much much higher end drafts. Terry Cohen somebody at RB41 is interesting as a, you know, a potential to, you know, bounce back. He really did underperform last year. Um I was very very high on him and and just really didn't deliver in pretty much any way uh, across the board. So I think there's a a bounce back there. But um I think I think somebody who's been Drastically underappreciated and undervalued as Philip Lindsay, and he was one of your top zero RB candidates a couple of years back uh, when he had his big breakout as a, a rookie. and I think that he at RB 44 is, is very, very interesting. He is explosive, he's one of the fastest running backs in the league, and he has tried an, a lackluster offense, as you point out. But he's, he's somebody who's very interesting because we have Melvin Garden switching teams. We've talked about wide receiver switching teams and how that doesn't work out. It doesn't work out always for uh, anyone at any position, and that could be a situation for Melbourne garden garden has had his injuries over the last couple of seasons so there's a lot at play here and i think philip lindsay uh, is going to be a part of this offense whether he's the the leading part of this offense i definitely think that at running back 44 he's primed to to beat that uh you know adp and F you know i wouldn't rule it out that he beats Melvin Garden to be that lead back uh for this season. So there's obviously a lot of money invested in, in Garden, but Lindsay is somebody who I'm interested in there as well. Uh obviously he was a, a huge success for you a couple of years ago, Sean. Is Lindsay somebody you think has been, you know, dramatically overlooked? I think at, at running back forty four, that is a, a long way off where he should be at the moment.
3: It is. I mean, he's one of the NFL's fastest backs. He's explosive on the field. He's outperformed what you would expect based on the fronts that he's facing. All those kinds of things demonstrate that he is a star NFL player and the idea that Gordon should go so early, he should go so late doesn't really fit with what we know about the two players and simply what we know about how these backfields tend to develop throughout the course of the season. If you're paying for the more expensive guy, you've got a lot of risk. If you're paying for the less expensive guy, then you've got a lot of potential upside. You really want to make sure you're crafting your lineup and your rosters to take advantage of the upside and not stacking your roster with the risk. The other way that we can look at this is and sort of compare upside and risk in terms of how you're constructing your lineup is to look at the rookies, right? We talked on the show a couple months ago now about an article I did looking at the dynasty impact of rookie running backs on their veteran teammates. And we found that when top 100 draft picks come in, they crush the value of the incumbents. And that happens more quickly than you would expect. This has a couple of results. The first one is that we definitely see this. It's reflected in the win the flex numbers that we're always talking about. And yet people think intuitively can't be right. The other thing that we see and Blair has done a number of great articles on the fact that these rookie running backs are the key to winning redraft leagues. A cool thing that I asked Blair to look up for me recently, and he did a little study on this. I believe he's got a wrong read that will be coming out on it in the near future is that at the running back position, Dynasty ADP is as good as redraft ADP for predicting redraft results. Now, it's not as good at wide receiver. There's a little bit more of a difference there in terms of how the wide receiver is developed. But think about that for a second, and then think about some of those veteran running backs who are very early in drafts and has some of these rookies behind them. So that might get you to think a little bit differently about J.K. Dobbins, about Cam Akers, about DeAndre Swift. Not that those guys are free by any means, but you look at the difference between their dynasty values and their redraft values and you think, okay, maybe there's a little bit of a window. But the other thing that comes into play there is what about the guys below that? In that study of these rookie running backs coming in, one of the things that was interesting is that this 2020 season featured 11 top 100 picks at the position that's the most from any draft in the last six seasons and there's been so much focus on the rookie wide receivers that i think that we lose track a little bit of how deep running back ended up being maybe not even from the talent of the guys although i like the talent but certainly from what the nfl teams thought so you think about that for a second you have 11 guys coming in that does two things number one it creates more depth because now we have 11 extra players lengthening out this position. It also hurts those guys up early in the draft who now have more competition. So we look at some of these guys being picked here Zach Moss, running back 48, A.J. Dillon, running back 55, Darrington Evans, running back 56, Lynn Bowden, running back 69. And you're seeing guys who were fantastic college players are into situations where an injury or underperformance or a committee would give them value and they're going very, very late
2: allow me a moment to tell you about our friends over at betonline there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive betting partner you can find them at betonline.ag sports are slowly making their way back and betonline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for the ufc nascar boxing and soccer matches and if you need even more they have simulated nfl nba and ufc simulations all day every day live on their website looking for something other than sports betonline has hundreds of casino games poker tournaments and prop bets to check out visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BlueWire for your free welcome bonus. That's one word BlueWire. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.
0: What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business and I know it. As a special thank you I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds just do it we'd love to hear your feedback now back to the show
2: so Sean to tie in with what we talked about at the start of the show we're gonna look at another piece that you've up on the website uh, looking about multiple ways to win in best ball but there's there's one glaring dominant path to finishing in the top six so a lot of people obviously will be playing best ball hoping to, to win that number one overall prize but there's a huge amount of best ball players Potentially, more the more serious of basketball players looking to invest heavily across the entire season are looking for those top six finishes to to get a return on investment. Um, so you've been looking at it, um, the the fundamentals of and overall the best ball workshop for anyone who hasn't been listening to the show if this is your first time tuning in i thank you for listening but the best ball workshop is tremendous Uh, sean has done a number of pieces on it Uh, you can go in and read each and every one of them give yourself an advantage um, as to how to prepare for your drafts and some strategies you might not think of to be able to help you win in your drafts so the fundamentals sean you're talking about don't fall short at wide receiver and the wide receiver win rates after looking through it what what was some of your overall takeaways from uh, the wide receiver position and how to target them for this season in particular
3: right so we're grabbing this again from the roster construction explorer and this is lesson nine in the best ball tens workshop getting in there we pull up the explorer we see the potential number of wide receivers and the first thing we say is just what are the fundamentals and we don't want to fall short at wide receiver we see that a seven wide receiver and eight wide receiver constructions both of those constructions have win rates above 8.7 percent everything else much much lower if you only end up with six wide receivers you're going to be at 7.3 percent not that many finish with only five but we have had 4,000 people do that 4,000 teams that falls down to below five percent so the number one thing we're thinking about is just make sure we get at least seven if not eight wide receivers the next thing then is where do we take them and this ties in with the first half of our show it ties in with what we teased last week uh, in the mfl 10 of death 20 rounds of death how we played that out there and we talked about how some of these wide receiver heavy approaches actually gave you a much higher floor so what we can do we plug into the explorer and we say what happens if we take three wide receivers in the first five rounds and that gives us a win rate above nine percent a top six percentage above 53 percent and if we have five or six running backs so one of the cool things the tool will allow you to do is say okay well if we have three wide receivers in the first five rounds and then we can break it down by total number of running backs because if we're wide receiver heavy at the beginning then we might want more total volume of running backs since they're going to happen later so we see five running backs, six running back we have fantastic results there the question i think that naturally follows and that ties into the first half of the show is what happens if we have a zero running back or an extremely hardcore wide receiver approach in this best ball format? And the surprising thing, when again you think of what the overall community, what the narrative is, where people are going, we talked about Jack's article that shows that ADP for running backs can just continues to be inflated, inflated, inflated. It's surprising to see what happens here. So. We want to take a couple of these lessons together. When we're using zero running back, we know we want to get that early tight end. Early tight end gives a big boost to all of these formats. So we take four wide receivers and one tight end in the first five picks. So again, no running backs at all in the top five. And the answer there is that that win rate is 13%. The top six percentage is 62%. So again, that goes back to Colin's point there that if you are looking for a high win rate team, yes, zero running back will work for that. But if your main concern is to put yourself constantly in the top six, that wide receiver foundation is extremely important. Now, the first question is probably going to pop to your mind as well. That just doesn't really seem likely with what happened in 2019. So even though if that's the three year average, what happened last year? And that would be right. What we saw is that 2017, the win rate over 12%. 2018, the win rate actually above 20%. And there were a couple of things going on there. The running back dead zone was very dead that season, but also wide receiver one scoring was up. And so those are obviously the conditions that you need for zero running back. 2019, the win rate fell to just 7%. So that's pretty disconcerting. If you think that what happened in 2019 is the new normal, that that's going to happen every season, Then you might be more skeptical of this. However, this is what I think the secret or the real key that's interesting is. If we move from win rate to looking at top six percentage, we find the top six percentage in 2017 was 59%. The top six percentage in 2018 was 79%. Again, it was a beautiful year for zero running back even though that's not exactly what the narrative out of that season was, simply because there were some running backs at the top who scored well. But think about that again. Even with those running backs, you had a top six percentage of 79% in 2018. But the real kicker is that last year, when the win rates were down, the running backs were up, that this formulation gave you a win rate of 57%. Now, we can contrast that with other ways of doing it, and we find out that they're not nearly as good. For example, if you wait until after the first 10 rounds to get your wide receiver five, then your top six percentage falls to 49.9%. Just a vast difference there between the full-blown zero running back and a more balanced approach. Now, you say, well, wide receiver five after round 10, that there are a lot of ways to get there. And still have those wide receiver, those five wide receivers without it being anything close to a zero running back approach. And that's true, but it's still a challenge to get to those five wide receivers. And, and I mentioned that only because only four of the 12 drafters in the MFL Ten of Death, for example, got to that level. I was the only person who was both three in the top five and five in the top ten. Now, we talked about on the show last week that there are other ways to have a good team. We profiled three of them. They didn't necessarily meet this criteria, but I really liked what they had done. And so that's, again, a reason to get in there, check out all the different ways that you can play at the different uh, strong tactics, overall approaches that will win in MFL 10s. But when you're looking at, or best ball 10s as they are now, but when you're looking at this and you're trying to get this top six percentage extremely high, we see consistently that you want to have that elite tight end you want to have this wide receiver foundation column. I think that this is a great piece in terms of uh, not the article, but the piece of information the yeah. <laughs> tool because it fits in with what we were seeing with the Win the flex tool and it fits in with some of these other pieces of information that we're seeing. When I'm looking at something, certainly if, if I have something out there that is sort of branded to me that I'm biased with, then it's even more important to be skeptical about your own work, be skeptical about your own viewpoint. And if you're trying to make the case that this still does work or it's the way to do it, you want to make sure that that shows up time and time and time again in a variety of different lenses from a variety of different angles. Because otherwise, it's very easy to put blinders on and continue to go down the wrong path and believe that sort of uh, your brand is more important than winning. I don't want that to ever be the case for us. Certainly, I don't want it to be the case for listeners. We want to put out there this idea that there are multiple ways to play it. That's in the title of the article. But I think that what we're seeing here, both in the Win the Flex tool and in the Roster Construction Explorer, that is very important to have this wider sewer foundation. Now, I would ask you, what does this say to you here? Are you convinced by this information? What's the biggest takeaway for you now that we've gotten through all of the different positions? And and I would encourage people to go and look at the the onesie position uh, lessons because they tend to be sort of less sexy or less exciting. They get a little bit less of the emphasis a little bit less traffic but they're actually very easy to execute and to bump up your both your win rate and your top top six percentage but now that we've moved through all the positions here with the lessons what would be your biggest takeaway
2: i, I think in general what you've touched on there would be what i always say and it's like uh, you know when we looked at with uh, mike's uh, the the best ball explorer earlier in the week when you look at things that sometimes don't seem like they're making sense if you look at like this one rate doesn't seem to make sense to me a lot of the time that's because you have a kind of pre-set you know thought on that so i want this strategy to be the best what you look when you look through all the the articles here that you've done sean for the best ball workshop is it gives you all the data for all the positions and it's the data that's telling you where you should be going and what we should be doing rather than I think this is the answer. You're leading the listeners and the, the readers to the information and then they can make their own observations based on that. Now that does tend to lead into like what we talk about in the shows on a weekly basis with, you know, trying to target the the wide receivers over running backs in certain areas. You know, the, the dead zone fell into it again in terms of where you're drafting those running backs, tight ends, trying to get those and those early rounds. You know, the strategies can all, uh, filter through, but it, it's always important then to to take that information and in for the the listener or the reader to make their own decision. But I think it's been put in such a a way as you mentioned it's not just a case of we want to have zero rb teams Uh, we want to have you know modified zero rb teams we want to see what the data is showing as the best ways to go to kind of deploy your strategy to have a success at the end of the season rather than just have luck and you know have a fluke win based on you know throwing a team together you're trying to to make it with a kind of uh, a well thought out plan and obviously the, the tools and the, the data that's on the website helps us do this. Um, I, I think the keys is always just to, to gain as much information as you can and then to make a, as well informed of a decision as you can. I think sometimes then having the tools to be able to help us make those decisions because sometimes as much as we want to do it, it can be very hard to just look at the information and parse it apart. We can, of might have our own biases that are leading us in one direction or another. So I think that's where things like uh, the best ball explorer and, and the tools we have on the website and the information, because it's ba- backed by the data is able to help us make that decision. And, you know, rather than just pick exactly what we want the narrative to be.
3: I think that that's definitely the case. And I would also emphasize to listeners that we're, Trying to be flexible and not to latch onto something and only go in one direction and not be willing to look at other possibilities. And I think that we've demonstrated that very clearly in the show on Tuesday. Where Curtis and I are in the Pros versus Joes Superflex Dynasty draft going on right now. We had the number one pick. We went with Christian McCaffrey. And there were some other running backs that we also wanted to add to that team with Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, players that we think can help us score a lot of points in that particular format and can grow in terms of trade value, especially looking at Jonathan Taylor. So wanting to understand how positions and players work within the format that you're playing and not get stuck in the mindset of, I'm going to play every league in one way, or I'm going to play even every draft in a certain way if certain players or values fall. It's very helpful to understand that there are structural approaches that will give you an advantage as long as you retain the flexibility to move out of that and grab particular players who maybe have uh, a specific characteristic that will allow them to grow in terms of trade value to fulfill a specific weakness that a roster has we want to make sure that we're always willing to make those moves and to look at each individual format separately And that's one of the reasons why i think the dynasty command center is so good why we're very focused in our content on dynasty best ball redraft as being separate entities and even separate entities within different formats within those subgroups so tools focusing on all of those different things, not trying to play uh, every league in exactly the same way.
2: No, I agree, Sean. It's a really good breakdown of it, and uh, urge the listeners as always to go and check it out. Something else I would urge the listeners to check is Sam Wallace's recent pieces on the backfields, uh, breaking down some of the the backfields around the league. He's breaking down so far the 49ers the Baltimore Ravens, the Miami Dolphins. We're going to do a little bit of rapid fire here, Sean, to wrap it up. We're kind of going to maybe we'll go back and forth and just pick which off the the backfield that we would pick if we had the the draft spot and all players were available. It mightn't work out for the Ravens. We might have to go to some of the later round picks for them, but the Miami dolphins we have jordan howard we have matt Breda. um i i think that both these guys are going to be targets for me all year long uh, i think we've touched on jordan howard a few times you know vastly i think underappreciated for what he actually does he's going off the board at adp of rb 43 um over the last three seasons he's played 47 games average 13.1 ppr points a game uh, and he's actually been a running back one on 23% of the games a running back two on 34% of the game so overall a running back uh, above RB24 on a weekly basis 55 or 57% of the time so tremendous output there from him and over the last couple of years Matt Breida has been one of my kind of candidates to have that big breakout season it just hasn't really all gone 100 percent together for him so far but in that backfield sean i'll let you have the first pick uh we have rb 43 and jordan howard and rb 36 so pretty close together in matt Breida. which of those guys are you taking uh, if they're both available at the same time
3: these guys are no-brainers and uh i i I completely agree jordan howard not appreciated for what he has done matt Breida, a riskier pick there we did have him as one of the most undervalued redraft players so i'm gonna have to go with my favorite guy in breeda but i think either guy will be a perfect option there moving to the baltimore ravens obviously we have mark ingram jk dobbins you could even go for gus edwards or justice hill at their basically free prices column which guy do you prefer
2: so what we'll do here sean is we'll do uh, a four-man draft um so i have the first pick uh, and we'll take two players each you can have the second pick and the third pick so i'm going to jump in i'm going to say jk dobbins the younger player uh coming in ready to go second round pick for 2020 um I, we have kind of been down on ingram uh i missed out on all his success last season based on what we talked about with the saints and how he slowed down that offense two seasons ago so uh, i'm going to bypass an ingram again this Year a year older, and I'm going to jump in with J.K. Dobbins. So I'll let you have the the second pick and third pick of the the next. If you were ranking these running backs in order,
3: all right, I'm going to take Justice Hill, not because I think he's going to be the second highest scoring player, but because he is absolutely free, and so any value you get there is going to be extra. Blair andrews and one of his always awesome wrong reads the other day showed that justice hill is being underdrafted and again at free underdrafted uh it's really pointing out that maybe he should be drafted although again that's a little bit situation agnostic in this backfield it's going to be hard to have value despite what the ravens coaches are saying where they think there's value for all four guys with the third pick there even though i think that he is a little bit overvalued i worked my way into ingram sort of as a throw in in a kitchen sink trade this year so i do have a share this season i will be rooting for him to score at least a few points Uh, i don't like his cost at adp but i think ingram scores enough points to still be a value i will take him as the third pick and i guess that leaves you gus edwards there at number four
2: yeah, I think Gus Edwards probably falls in a little bit like you mentioned with Justice Hill. Uh, personally, if we were drafting them, I would have it uh, Gus Edwards going into the fourth spot as well. Not because uh, you know anything against Gus Edwards, but I do think if we're looking at upside and who could. You know, really catapult themselves in a situation if all things broke right and uh, you know an injury in front of them. I think Justice Hill could really have a, a higher value overall. So neither of them have had a huge production uh, last season, obviously. Um, but I, I think um, Gus Edwards is somebody who if you have to draft him, but if you don't uh, walk away uh, and that would be my advice. But um, I think it's pretty interesting that you took um, hell over Ingram, but I think it makes a lot of sense because you're not just looking in this, this little drill that we did at where uh, you expect them to finish an end of season points. You're looking at the players available at that point in the draft and then the, the obviously cost of acquiring them. So very, very smart uh, choice there, you know, to, to get hell in those lineups laid on and uh, the upside is still there. And I, th- I think we will see it, whether it's in Baltimore or somewhere else, I think we'll see uh, fantasy relevant games from from Justice Hill uh, before his career is all said and done. So uh, that was fun to run through those. I would uh, recommend the listeners jump on the website and check out all the work Sam's doing. It's uh, tremendous work. I really enjoy uh, reading his stuff since he came aboard on the website. As always, you can give yourself that 10% discount to a his NFL pass and you can find out more information at com forward slash podcast. And uh, really... That is going to do it for today's show. We will be back next week. We're hoping to have a special guest next week. We won't promise anything, but we will see what we can do for next week's shows. Looking forward to that. If it does come off, if it doesn't come off, we're going to have a lot of fun. With myself and sean breaking down some of the the articles up on the website and looking through some of our draft strategies so thank you for tuning in if you haven't listened to the show earlier this week head on back and listen to it now fantastic stuff as we talked about the best ball roster uh construction and, the, and also the best ball explorer for the win rates so do check those out my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over marlin my co-host as always is sean siegel do give us a written interview on your favorite podcast app it really helps us out as well and until we're back next week with another show
1: you